0: This is Paul Gallant on 710 ESPN Seattle. Weekdays at 10 on 710 ESPN Seattle.
1: At Gallant Says on Twitter. Texting to the show at 710 710. Oh, hello
0: and welcome aboard the most interactive sports talk show in Seattle. I am Paul Gallant. It is Friday, Friday. Gotta get down on Friday, May 21st of 2021. A fun show in store for you with Dave Wyman joining us in the sports pit at 1030. We'll think up some more rules to bully offensive players in the NFL. First, though, hey, guess what? A free thing for you. If you are the second caller right now at 206 421 3776 or 866 979 3776, you win two tickets to see Kings of Leon with the Cold War Kids at White River Amphitheater on Friday, October 1st. I could use somebody. The tickets went on sale today at Ticketmaster.com. So there you go. Get your free stuff. We will be giving away another set of tickets later in the hour. I got a question. Check that. We will not be doing that. Sorry, Moradoli behind the glass. Listen, I just read the copy like a dumb person, and I don't ask any questions. I just roll with it. Okay, guys, I have a question for you. Please don't get mad at me. Have we seen the best of Russell Wilson? I suppose the more direct way to ask this question, pointed way, would be to say, has Russell Wilson reached the peak of his career? And that doesn't mean that he's about to all of a sudden fall off the cliff on the other side. We could be at a plateau right now. We could be seeing Russell Wilson continue what he did in 2019 and did in 2020, in 2021, and going forward. I don't think we're going to see a better version of the Russell Wilson that we have seen the last two seasons. That is not a bad thing. Again, he's been playing like a top five quarterback for those past two seasons. But, of course, things have not ended the way that you want. And I don't think it's out of the question to believe that the downward slope is around the corner, even if it's not 2021 or 2022. And it does, I think, maybe make the Seahawks perhaps think twice about their own long-term commitment with Russ, given some of the stuff that we have seen this offseason. Most of this conversation is about something that probably is going to take place down the road. But here's why I do think we won't see a better version of Russell Wilson than what we have seen right now couple of different points here first off he's got to adjust his playing style going forward right he's getting older this is natural for a lot of quarterbacks across the NFL but in particular for mobile quarterbacks he's still athletic he isn't what he used to be it's not his fault father time what catches up with all of us but he's not all of a sudden going to be more athletic and when you look at the way that Russ has played over the course of his career and you see that he has been sacked 40 plus times every single year of his career, you can blame the offensive line all you want. But some of those sacks are on Russ. Russ is reliant on his mobility, not entirely, but he definitely depends on that thing a lot. And I don't think that this year the mobility that we saw, especially against the New York Giants, start to diminish is something that Russell Wilson is all of a sudden going to stop doing. I feel like we are going to see as much, if not more, of Russell Wilson trying to get outside of the pocket, because I think when you're learning a new offense, you still want to have your fire extinguisher for when a play doesn't go your way, or just a safety blanket. And Russell Wilson's likes have always given him that little extra edge. That is going to have to, I think, over the next couple of years, be something that's less and less an important part of his game. So that's one reason why I I wonder and do think that we've seen the peak. We're at the peak. We might be at the peak for a little bit longer, but I don't think we're going to get another level, a higher level. He is not going to take us higher, in the words of Scott Stapp. Another reason. This past November, I scoffed at Marcellus Wiley of First, excuse me, Speak for Yourself on Fox Sports 1. He said that Russell Wilson finds a way to lose the MVP down the stretch every single year. And I thought to myself, wait a second, I mean, remember the end of 2015 where he destroyed everything? Yeah, Cam Newton won the MVP that year on a 15-1 and team, but I mean, Russ finished the season on an incredible tear. But Marcellus has been right. Over the last two seasons, we've seen Russ's yards per attempt dramatically decline over the final month of the year, and we ripped Drew Brees when we saw his play diminish at the end of the season. Big gap in terms of age between the two of them, about eight years or so, but somewhat hypocritical if we call out Drew Brees for maybe finishing the season not looking like himself, or Aaron Rodgers a couple of seasons ago at the end of the 2019 season, or Tom Brady at the end of the 2019 season, if we're going to say, all right, well, those guys, they didn't look themselves at the end of the season, don't we have to, at the very least, ask why Russell Wilson had that decline down the stretch? And look, Rodgers clearly bounced back from it in 2020. Tom Brady, despite not looking very good at the end of 2019 over the course of the season still was able to throw 40 touchdown passes this past year those guys they did still have something left in the tank but these are two guys who have something that russ doesn't have height and and height is one of the reasons that i wonder about russ as he turns away from mobility if he is going to be a quarterback that is effective the same way that he is right now operating inside the pocket i mean drew Brees is the comparison that you make. Drew Brees never really mobile, so Drew Brees always could do it. And it's not to say Russell can't do it out of the pocket for an entirety of a season, but Drew Drew out of necessity had to do it from the pocket. How do you get rid of something that's been a part of your arsenal for such a long period of time or use it less? I think Russ has to. So I do think that we are at the peak with Russell Wilson. I don't necessarily believe that this coming season that all of a sudden he is going to drop off, but I am concerned about the end of the season in a way that I was not last year and the year before that. So my question for you on the most interactive sports talk show in Seattle. Have we seen the best of Russell Wilson? I asked this question on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Paul Sports. Jack Terrell says no. Didn't give any further elaboration. Okay. That's neat. On Twitter. Fourth of Angus says, Russell did not play well late in the 2020 season. His failure to play well fueled his petulant and whiny whoa, misdirection of the offseason, inventing scenarios for his bogus departure and blaming his offensive line for his shortcomings. Wow, this sounds like could have been written in, a, I don't know, something like the New York uh, Post or something like that. The Seahawks and Mr. Wilson win if he does well. It's not really answering our question, though. If we've seen the best of Russell Wilson, so let's go to the text line, Mac and Jack's text text line seven ten seven ten. One hundred percent, yes, he is what he is—a quarterback that can't throw over the middle. Well, hang on, let's pause a second. I don't know that that's necessarily the the truth that he can't throw over the middle, but he needs to be better at it this coming season. And I do think that while. It's correct to be frustrated with Russell's performance in certain spots down the stretch. I also think at the same time, you do have to wonder how much of an impact that Brian Schadenheimer offense had in an inability to find those routes. There were some plays, I imagine, that Russ would like to have back where there were guys over open over in the middle of the field. Anyway, um, the text continues. And holds the ball too long is also what Russ does. He is on the decline, and the Seahawks need to move on. Okay. See... Is he on the decline yet? I don't know. And when Aaron Rodgers is coming off the best season of his career at age 37, I feel like he can be at this level for a period of time that goes beyond this season and the next and the next. You aren't moving on unless you have an actual alternative, and you're not going to get that alternative next year. You don't have a first-round pick. You know? You're not going to all of a sudden find your way into getting that next quarterback of the future that you feel great about unless you're drafting him in the third or the fourth round. It worked for you once. Is it going to work for you twice? I mean, shoot, how many quarterbacks have been drafted late that have turned into Hall of Fame caliber players? Joe Montana, Tom Brady, I guess Kurt Warner because he wasn't drafted. But it's uh, Drew Brees was, uh, what, a second-round pick? That's not an optimal place to be if you're looking to move on. So anyway, that's the question. 710-710 710-710 7, 10, 7, 10 on the Mac and Jacks Brewing Company text line. You could tweet at Galant says Facebook.com slash Paul Sports. It's the most interactive sports talk show in Seattle. You will get to be heard at 1015. This hour of the Paul Galant show is brought to you by Advanced Hair Restoration. Right now it is ten ten. It is time for What's Trending, brought to you by King's Heating and Air with Mora Dooley. Good. Good morning, afternoon, Maura. Happy Friday. Good
2: morning, afternoon. Happy Friday.
0: You have been annoyed with the uh, Mac and Jacks uh, Brewing Company text line. Is that a fair characterization? Am I throwing? Am I? Am I? I, I mean, I, I feel like today has been a mean day on the text line.
2: <laughs> I just, yeah, there, there was one texter heavily this morning. Definitely had a lot of opinions on how our show should be produced.
0: You listened, though, and, and we appreciate him listening.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, which I'm surprised by how know, just much criticism they had that they spent so much time <laughs> listening.
0: That was my favorite part. He was like, oh, man, I'm falling <laughs> asleep. I... I I almost pulled, like I almost crashed, and I was like, "That might be because you're texting and driving, man." Yeah,
2: I I feel like maybe, maybe I don't know. Reminds me of when I was waiting tables, and we used to have a couple that would come in before they went to Benaroya Hall. I worked at the restaurant in the art museum. Ooh! And they would fill out the comment card every time and complain about the food every time. Yeah, they came a lot. Be like, see you next week, where you'll (laughs) order the same thing and complain again.
0: Next time, it's going to be different. (laughs) There'll be a special ingredient added.
2: Maybe this isn't your cup of tea, and that's okay. All right, anyway, sorry. (laughs) Moving on, because it's Friday and we're having a good time. So we're not going to talk about that. The Mariners made some moves. Let's see how you feel about this, Paul. Necessary? They moved uh, Luis Torrens to Tacoma, designated Jose Marmaleos for assignment, and claimed Jacob Nottingham and selected Jose Godoy.
0: This should make some people happy. People like heads on spikes. And I bring that term up a lot. It's graphic. People were mad with Luis Torrens people were frustrated with Jose Marmalejo's. Now, I don't know that Jacob Nottingham is going to give you a whole lot more. And this is the guy that was on your team earlier this year, and you're claiming him off of waivers now from uh, the Milwaukee Brewers. So is he going to make a difference? I don't know. This is more, though, about, all right, certain guys, there should be accountability for not being able to perform. And I wonder if for those people that are frustrated with maybe a sense of a lack of accountability with the Mariners thus far this year, at least are getting it here. Big problem for the Mariners right now is they are injured. In addition to not being able to hit, that is a very difficult sprinkling uh, of jimmies to put on top of that whole thing. For those who don't know, jimmies are sprinkles. I don't know why people in New England call them jimmies, but we do. Sorry.
2: All right, next up, the NBA playoffs get underway this weekend. We have the Heat Bucks, Mavericks Clippers, Celtics Nets, Trailblazers Nuggets, Wizards 76ers, and Lakers Suns. Games for days, which series are you most interested in? Hmm. Well, I mean,
0: personally, and I'm wearing green until the Celtics are eliminated, but I am feeling like they are going to be eliminated. It's Celtics Nets. I-, I-, I do want to see what the Nets look like together, finally healthy Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving and James Harden because that is that's a pretty terrifying trio of guys who can all create their own shot so that's an interest interesting team to take a look at the Suns have played really well this year I don't buy them for a second I feel like the Lakers are going to cruise in that one and that's the weird part about the Western Conference the three teams at the top Utah Phoenix Denver Teams that traditionally you would look at and say, what? No one respects Utah. They have been awesome this year. No one respects them. I have a hard time thinking a team that's led by Donovan Mitchell that has a very good team around him is going to be capable of taking down uh, as they play the Colton State Warriors in the first round. I have a hard time seeing them win that that series. Just that series. And that's the eighth seed. and, And the Warriors are basically just Steph Curry by themselves. Lakers Suns is inter is interesting. And you know, I don't know how much the regular season matters anymore. So Bucks Heat is also interesting to me because the Miami Heat last year were very scrappy in the playoffs. If Jimmy Butler is healthy going up against that Milwaukee team that has definitely a lot of pressure on it right now, given that They have not been able to do anything despite having one of the best players in basketball over the last couple of seasons. That's another interesting one for me. I like the NBA playoffs a lot. I really do. It's a shame that we do not have a team. Thank you very much, Howard Schultz. You are the absolute worst.
2: How are you going to distribute your sports time this weekend, though? I mean, we've got Mariners. We have NHL playoffs, NBA playoffs. There's a golf. NHL,
0: too. Golf's out. Sorry, you're out. Yeah, I agree. You're out. NHL playoffs. It's it's. I have been away from an NHL city for so long; it has been hard for me to take the time out to watch the sport. But it's coming back, so maybe I got to change that now. And more, I know you are a big hockey fan, Boston Bruins, your favorite team. My favorite team is the Tampa Bay Lightning. I'm a lot more casual on that front. I do have to carve out some time for hockey. I do, because some of these guys, I imagine, who I'm are playing right now,
2: so far,
0: yeah. The, the the expansion draft is is not too far away, July and maybe July
2: 22nd,
0: maybe. The Seattle Kraken will end up getting some heroes from these Stanley Cup playoffs that are upcoming.
2: It's really not a long shot when you look at the Vegas Golden Knights and how they set up the NHL expansion draft, like they should be pretty good right off the bat.
0: That has been talking hockey. It's exciting. I'm excited. I, I, I honestly, if when there is a team here, I promise I will make an effort because I do really like hockey as a sport. It's just weird. I have I have been so far away from it for such a long period of time. And I remember when I first got into hockey, the lockout happened right after the season where I first saw the Stanley Cup. Oh, yeah, that was a bummer. Right. I mean, I went to 12 games the year the Lightning won the Stanley Cup for the first time. It was incredible. And then the lockout happened. And it was like, dang. Thanks, Gary Bettman. Anywho, now I'm blaming suits. It's The Paul Gallant Show, 710 ESPN Seattle. 710 710 is the Mac and Jack's Brewing Company text line. You could tweet me as well at Gallant says 206 421. Three seven seven six is how you call in on the most interactive sports talk show in Seattle. It is your chance to be heard.
1: Your voice, your opinions. It's time to be heard every day at ten fifteen with Paul Gallant. Be heard.
0: Today's question: Have we seen the best of Russell Wilson? Lots of responses on this. I thought that people would be angrier at me for just bringing this up. They honestly haven't been. Jacob tweets, I think Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady both got better after Russell Wilson's current age, so I don't think he has done improving yet. Fair point. But those two, they have at times been very, very good because they know their limitations athletically and stay in the pocket. Rodgers is a little bit different because he's always been able to move. Brady had improved as an actual passer over the course of his career, and his pocket presence was always second to none. I think it's different when you are mobile and you have to account for the dwindling mobility. And that's going to be really difficult, I think, for any quarterback that has that kind of skill set to adjust to. Specifically, if you're a quarterback that's five foot eleven, where it's just going to be a little bit more difficult for you to see down the field. Now, Russ, again, unbelievable deep ball, great at extending plays, but there will come a point when he can't do it the same way that he used to, and I just think watching Patrick Mahomes in the playoffs and how he can still have eight sacks, though he was getting the absolute crap smacked out of him in the Super Bowl, and then Russell Wilson, where it's a consistent 40-sack-a-year deal with him every single year, you know that that's not getting better. So where does he get better? And maybe he gets better operating in in the pocket, but I think this Shane Waldron offense is also going to call for him to cut some of that playmaking out. And yeah, man, that's, that's tough. That's a tough position to put any quarterback in. I I mean, I actually empathize with Russ here as far as now, all of a sudden there's a new offensive mind in charge. And that guy is likely going to want you to do things that you have not been asked to do on a regular basis in quite some time. And look, in 2015, he threw out of the pocket a lot. He looked great out of the pocket, but I mean, that's, Five six years ago now, it's incredible how time flies. Seven ten seven ten is how you text. Paul Russ hasn't consistently played in a short passing timing offense like Waldron runs. That's good and bad, right? It's not. It's not one answer or the other. It might work out well. It really might. I mean, he's got great wide receivers now. He's got a tight end that you would think. And again, who knows now? I, I don't know if the Seahawks are great at evaluating tight ends just based off of. The Greg Olson experience, I do like what they have in Will Disley a lot, but going back to Jimmy Graham as well, is Gerald Everett, because of his past familiarity with Shane Waldron, actually going to be someone that helps him find guys quickly down the seam specifically? He's pretty good at throwing passes down the seam to tight ends. We did see that from Will Disley a couple of seasons ago before Disley suffered that season-ending injury, specifically in that game against the Rams on Thursday night. I still can't get over how awesome that game was, and... Just a side note, it is great to see that we are getting closer and closer to normalcy because I need that. I really need to go to football games, again, that have all of the fans in the stands. It is not the same. Not the same at all. Seven ten, seven ten. He will improve with other team. Okay. I don't, I don't know where we're going with that one. Sorry, that was a bad text to read. Text, true, Drew Brees, not very good after 30. I think that the big problem for Drew Brees has been that when the Saints finally got to a point where top to bottom roster-wise they were the best team in the NFL, he was clearly the weak link, right? I mean, the last couple of seasons down the stretch, he struggled. And and that's that's what I've noticed out of Russ. And I feel like you have to bring it up even though it's it's a different degree with Russ. With Drew it's oh, wow, he can't he can't throw it 15 yards downfield. With Russ it's oh, he can't escape a pocket he can't escape a defense that has the mindset to contain him in the same way that he used to be able to. I hope he watches that Giants game a lot, and I hope that he has a long brainstorming session about why the Giants, in particular, were able to contain him the way that they did. Because if you go back, and, and I think you look at that what it's the, pass adjust, uh, the the pass adjusted win rate or something like that, pass rush win rate, pass rush win rate, that's it. sorry. For the Giants last year, it was pretty awful, but they were really disciplined in that game and did a great job of, of containing Russ, and all of a sudden, when you can't figure out a way to beat something that is really just so simple, then you have to start, I think, calling on other parts of yourself that maybe you're a little less confident in, and Russ is definitely confident in his mobility. I mean, you heard that in that Dan Patrick interview where he says, yeah, I get sacked, but, you know, sometimes those plays turn, turn into touchdowns. They're, they're not going to do that in the same way, and I feel like his point is being able to do that. Yeah, he has definitely peaked there. You cannot argue that. Are you going to get, though, all of a sudden at age 37, 38, years down the road, an, ev- an elevation in Russell's play to the same degree that we just saw out of Aaron Rodgers and that we saw out of Tom Brady in his later 30s? We're not probably seeing that really anymore from him. It's certainly possible. I would be surprised by it, though. Because I think it's different when it's a quarterback that is using mobility as such a big weapon in his arsenal. It's a little different. Right? He's, he's, he's doing the same things he's always been doing. Rodgers, pretty much the same thing. It's not like Rodgers is really a runner. But- also, it helps that Rodgers has not been getting sacked 40 times plus a year. Okay, it is the Paul Gallant Show, 710 ESPN Seattle, the most interactive sports talk show in Seattle. 710-710, if you've got a question for Dave Wyman, I'm going to ask him that question. Has Russell Wilson reached the peak? Don't go anywhere. It's the most interactive sports talk show in Seattle.
1: It's 1030. And that means it's time to get in the sports pit. In the pit where all that stuff goes down, and if you don't have some freaking toughness, you're gonna get your, you're gonna, you're gonna fail. we we'll all go out.
0: And if you want to ask a question in the sports pit, 710-710 is how you doing on the Mac and Jack's Brewing Company. Text line, I am joined by the great Dave Wyman of Wyman and Bob. Dave, how you doing, buddy?
1: I'm good, Paul. How are you?
0: I'm doing wonderful. I'm asking an unpopular question today. And it's Uh just because I'm thinking about things in the future. I don't want it to sound like I expect him to all of a sudden fall off a cliff, but do you think that we've seen the absolute best out of 32 turning 33 in the midst of this season, Russell Wilson? Mm, No,
1: I don't. I don't. I think he still is at at the point where he, every year surprises me with something. Uh, Every year he gets better. Um, you know, I I think we've always talked about his deep ball. Um, you know, here, here's how I gauge it. Like, you know, probably I remember Richard Sherman used to say it was like a, a jokes machine with uh with Russell Wilson, you know, those <laughs> things that just you know, pop up. They do it for kickoffs and stuff like that. But like he said, you would look back and at the line of scrimmage and uh and all of a sudden the ball would just come you couldn't see Russell. It was just like a, it was like a jokes machine back there, just boom launching it, you know, and then it would come straight down out of the sky. So people have been talking about that for a long time. But this year, like, it finally hit, you know, the mainstream media. Everybody's talking about Russell Wilson's deep ball. But it got better. You know, he he got better at throwing the deep ball this last year. So every year I feel like he he improves, uh, whether it's his elusiveness. You know, you've seen him be injured. And then, you know, what was that? Ah, gosh, that was 2016 or 17. He got hurt. And I just think that, you know, he couldn't leave the pocket, so it forced him to become, um, you know, a better quarterback as far as not just using his feet and, you know, finding different ways to either get rid of the ball. So, I mean, yeah, for me, I think every year he gets better. Um, At some point, he's going to slow down. But, you know, like, you know, K.J. Wright this year, he had his best year. I mean, you can still have your best years in your 30s. And, yeah, I don't think Russell's a top-four quarterback, you know, because if you look at it, it's Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, Russell Wilson, and then I think, you know, after that, it drops off pretty significantly. Not that those other guys are bad quarterbacks, but those four are elite And they're the kind of guys that every year they find a way to get better. What was Aaron Rodgers this last year, 38?
0: 37 years old, yeah,
1: still. 37, and he's MVP.
0: Right. It is possible, I think, to have your best season later in your career as a quarterback with Rodgers, with Brady. We have seen it. We've seen it recently, I I, I guess. And I'm intrigued by the things that you have been surprised by, and specifically this past season I imagine it's that the deep ball was even a little bit better this year, but I, I I wonder for a quarterback where you, you definitely see that the mobility is is starting to diminish at the very least a little bit. That game against the Giants is at at the very least the evidence that I would point to if I were a lawyer in a court of law trying to say that Russell is at his is at his peak right now. When you all of a sudden start to lose that element of your game and are forced to to go back in a in another direction. How is he going to be able to adapt to that? Because it does feel like that's just been such a big part of his game. And, and by nature, it can't quite be that. Where with Brady and with, with Rodgers, we, we always know that they have been pretty good when it's primarily just standing there and chucking it.
1: Yeah. Well, I, I would say this. I mean, look, and I'm I'm wondering about the yardage. Now, look, I know Jared Doff is not your mobile quarterback. <laughs> But, you know, but, but I was looking at, you know, in that offense, and, and we'll see how, how much of that offense we actually get. He's only rushed for over a hundred yards one year since 2017 golf. And I, I know he's immobile and I know that's the main factor. But, you know, I just wonder if in this, in this offense, you know, Russ is going to, You know, it's going to be similar for him that he doesn't have the kind of numbers like, you know, you always you don't think he has that much. And then you look and the end of the year, he's got 400 or 500. You know, one year it was 800, I think. But, you know, I just think as a quarterback, you can get better at just the subtle movements around in the pocket. Mm. You know, you don't have to take off running. It's just like Aaron Rodgers, man, he creates so much space just because his feet are so good. And he's got such a sense for the pocket and where to move. And, you know, and that's something, honestly, Russell can get better at. Because, you know, there was a few times this year where you see his eyes come down. He did that in 2017. And I thought 18-19 really good as far as keeping his eyes down the field. But, you know, the quarterbacks that, you know, you saw it at a golf, you definitely see it from Garoppolo. You put pressure on him and his eyes come straight down. He's looking for an escape route. And Russ, you know, I I thought last year a few times, especially in the Giant game, like he just wasn't seeing things. So he can always get better at that. But I think that that doesn't mean that you, just because you're getting older and you're getting slower, that I think you can get more, I guess, clever as far as, you know, how to how to get away from pressure, how to find spots so that you can throw the ball, and then you know not running the ball as much. I would love to see that happen, but you know, look, as long as he has his speed and he still does i think i mean it's not like two thousand twelve or anything, but you know I still think he has good speed he can he can use it, but I just think as you get older as a quarterback, you know <laughs> that's the only position where it's actually a good thing to get older, you know every other position in the n f l you just like instantly. Get you know decrepit like I did. That's that's for sure.
0: <laughs> it's Dave Wyman with me in the sports bit of Wyman and Bob. So yesterday, Michael Bumpus and I got to go to T-Mobile Park and do the uh, batting practice out there, uh, hitting baseballs very hard. As the Seattle Mariners are finding out, but they are much better at that uh, at that than us, obviously. But it got me thinking, Dave, about the most difficult routine actions in in every single sport. And I wanted to ask you, from the linebacker perspective, what's the most difficult routine action as a linebacker that, at, that you had to do on a play-to-play basis that maybe people have never been aware of?
1: Huh. That's a good question. Um, you know, I, I think it was probably, well, just yeah, something that's just very ordinary that happens a lot, the cut block. You know, whether a guy is going to, you know, especially out in space and, you know, like on a screen play where you're out in space and the lineman's coming downfield and you're trying to keep your eye on the running back and not really look at the lineman, just kind of feel him. And sometimes they cut you and sometimes they stay high and just knowing when, you know, which one to play was always uh that was pretty difficult especially if you had bad knees like me. No. But um <laughs> yeah the the cut block was always difficult to play and I we had a coach uh Rusty Tillman who unfortunately passed away this last year but he used to he used to teach that just get cut and then just pop up off the ground. So, you know, just go charge ahead if you get cut, get cut, just get ready to pop up off the ground. So yeah, that was one of the things I thought was uh, was really difficult because the really good offensive linemen in the league, they'll kind of fake you out, you know, stay high and then cut you, or act like they're going to cut you and then stay high. So it was always a, a tough routine. By the way, why did you guys get to go out there and hit baseballs? How come we didn't get to go out oh, there? Oh, that's hit a, you know How what? Did we get that?
0: I think because it took place in the afternoon. I mean, you could have taken the day off and gone.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, I would do that, definitely. <laughs> I'd much rather hit baseball than do my radio show, that's I, for sure.
0: I'm curious yeah. as to how you would do hitting a baseball. Did, did you ever play?
1: Well, no, I played softball when I was in my 40s. I was a pretty good softball player nice. and then uh but I was terrible in high school. I hated I really hated baseball.
0: I didn't like it so. either. Uh we had a pitching coach that used to pitch in the major leagues and he would come to practice Use a little uh, – had a few, let's just say that, and uh, uh-huh. routinely would throw at my head, and that uh, made me scared uh-huh. of baseballs. Yes, so now you know <laughs> why I never became a major leaguer.
1: <laughs> yeah, otherwise you would have been. Oh, so, yeah. I always say this. You know, in eighth grade, if it wasn't for Beanball Byron, there was a guy named Beanball Byron <laughs> he nicknamed him, and he – he plunked me in the ribs, and I was never the same at the plate, Paul. Otherwise, oh. I probably would have gone pro in baseball. Oh
0: man! See, you could have you could have been the savior of the Seattle Mariners, and instead, yeah, That's just playing, right. just playing right. for just playing for the Seahawks. Well, Dave, always appreciate it when you join me, man. You have yourself a, a, a wonderful Friday, and maybe you can get into a batting cage uh, this weekend.
1: Sweet, let's do it. All right, thanks, Paul. Appreciate you having me on.
0: Always See. great to talk to you, Dave. Uh, Dave Wyman, everybody, Wyman and Bob. That is coming up at two o'clock. All right, guys, we're changing things up a little bit on the Paul Gallant Show. I want to make topics interactive as well. So the question is still on the table. We will take phone calls on it, 206-421-3776. Texts on the Mac and Jack's Brewing Company text line, 710-710. Acalon says on Twitter, have we seen the best of Russell Wilson? I'm also going to give you the option, and you can weigh in on all of these, to pick from the following three topics. The missing ingredient that is perhaps keeping the Seahawks from going over the top? If referees play favorites with teams across sports, or a story about how maybe analytical types aren't quite as nerdy as you think. You get to pick the next topic, and we'll talk about whether or not Russ has hit that peak next. You're listening to Paul Gallant.
2: Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio.
0: Every day at 10 on 710 ESPN CSC. We'll recalibrate this as the show continues, but I do want to do something where at the very end of every single show that we have a kicker. And essentially, you get to pick which of those kickers I dive into. Perhaps putting it on the text line a little bit difficult to explain, a little bit difficult for every single texter to hear and then choose one of these stories, so we'll probably do this on Twitter. It's a reason I encourage you to follow. At Galant says, shameless self-promotion there, just to get my follower number up, perhaps, but no, I think this will be a fun addition to the show. But the question of the day, have we seen the best of Russell Wilson? And I think we have, and I think we're going to continue to see the best of Russell Wilson, but I think the mobility side of things is something that, because it is getting it is going in the wrong direction means that the downslope is probably a little closer than it might be with some of those other quarterbacks that have been those stand-in-the-pocket passers. The height is a factor, and I know some people don't want to hear it. Texter 710, 710 on the Mac and Jack's Brewing Company text line. Paul Dog Wilson played with a bum leg and balled out. I'm not worried about him in the pocket or his height. Come on, I can't believe we are still talking about his height. The reason we're still talking about his height. Look, Dave, Dave brought up a great point about how those deep ball passes that he throws, it's like a, jug, a jugs machine. All of a sudden the ball just shoots up in the air and somehow it comes down in the exact perfect location. But what about the 10 to 15 yards that are right in front of him? Height is a factor with quarterbacks. You can't entirely dismiss it. It's ridiculous that Russell fell as far as he did given some of the things that we knew about him coming out of the draft. I, I really—I know it's an retrospect thing, but... I've heard Ryan Russillo describe this before. What was the knock on Russell Wilson other than his height? What was it? There wasn't one. It was That was it. That was legitimately it. He was mobile, smart, competitor, throws a great deep ball. All of these things that you want in a quarterback. Has the big hands. You know, he had legitimately everything but height. He should have gone earlier. Seahawks are lucky that that took place. But as time goes on for these mobile quarterbacks, It's difficult. It's difficult, too, when you're learning a new offense. You're probably going to be told to be, I don't know, less of an escape artist, and by nature, you've always been an escape artist. That's hard to just shake in one year where you're all of a sudden learning a new offense. Think of it from this perspective. You're basically telling a guy to ignore his instincts when he's learning an offense where his instincts actually might be his friend, in particular on plays that maybe in the first couple of games of the year, he's not that familiar with. It's always great to have that as your backup plan. That's what sets Russell Wilson apart from everybody, and he's just not not that guy anymore, and... If we're going to bring up the fact that Drew Brees and some of these other guys have not been great down the stretch, you have to bring it up with Russ. Now, varying degrees of the struggles down the stretch, Drew Brees really on the, whoa, what happened end of the spectrum compared with Russ where it's, oh, well, he was playing at an MVP level and now it's it's not quite the same. But it's not like he seemed like he was physically limited or anything like that. But it's a two-year reality. It's not just a one-year anomaly. 710710, if he has reached the top of the peak, where maybe the down slope is right afterwards, or maybe we're gonna go on a plateau and he's gonna be at that same level for a while, or maybe he actually still can't get better at text, seven ten, seven, ten. Russell has so much more football in him and he's got a whole lot of winning left in him. Okay, but does that mean that he's going to continue to improve another text? Oh, look, a bunch of Hawks fans making up stuff about Russ. He has only won more games than any quarterback in history over his first nine seasons. But we're talking about we're talking about going forward. We're talking about going forward here, people. And, and I know that the natural reaction is to get mad when you ask a question like this. This is not meant as an insult. This is not me saying that I believe that all of a sudden the 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 bottom is about to fall out. But I do think that we are at a level right now where Russ is as good as he is ever going to get, which is by the way, awesome. Top five quarterback minimum. <laughs> Text in, loving the shirt today, Paul. Not loving the Russell slander. Wearing a green Lucky Charms shirt. It's my Lucky Charms. Hopefully the Boston Celtics aren't going to lose to James Harden. I will cry if that happens. Uh, Text, uh, we've seen Russ's peak. He's getting older, getting smashed behind the line. and holds the ball too long. He's not as quick anymore. That's evident. Add him to your body shaming segment. Oh, that's not fair. That's not fair. No, I just don't like it when the guy's portly. When someone looks like John Daly is successful at baseball, it bothers me because I feel like, oh, if he wasn't that portly, if he put a little more time and effort into it, maybe he'd be even better. That's what bothers me about it, and as someone who, you know, does this, but also finds time to stay in shape, eat healthy, all that stuff, I don't think it should be that hard for an athlete to do it. Just me. Okay, I gave you guys a couple of different options as far as topics for the final segment of this show. The missing ingredient that takes the Seahawks over the top? Huh? Referees playing favorite in sports? Huh? This story is hilarious to me. Maybe... Those analytical types that are invading the NFL aren't quite the nerds that we thought them to be. And I'm going to point at the New York Giants organization. There's this guy by the name of David Maltese. He's been the Giants video director for the entirety of my life. And he alleges he was fired because his supervisor, the director of football data, was physically assaulting people. Imagine this. The head of analytics is assaulting people. Maltese reported that he had assaulted assistant video director Stephen Venditti. Maltese reported it up the chain of command. CM was removed from supervision, but Venditti had to sit next to him. Said analytical insulter, he expressed concern about it, and it led to an HR meeting. And in this HR meeting, guess what? Another person threatened, at least allegedly, old David Maltese who seems to be getting bullied by everyone in the Giants organization. It's kind of incredible that he worked there for 30 years. Allegedly, Giants Vice President, uh, Senior Vice President, and General Counsel William Heller said, I will personally go into your office and strangle you until you can no longer breathe. Okay, okay. If he were to release any details of that HR meeting discussing <laughs> Tysir CM assaulting Stephen Venditti. So the Giants, you know, we talk about Joe Judge being a hardo. I think he's right at home in this organization. And by the way, Maltese also accused former Giants offensive line coach Dave DeGuglielmo of threatening to kill him after tackling him into a table. So I guess these uh, these NFL work environments are a little more hostile than we would think them to be, specifically in the analytics department. That made me cackle. Imagine the director of football data is going to assault you. What a curveball. What's he going to throw a calculator at you? Oh, no, he tackled me through a table. Lots of thanks to go around for today's edition of the Paul Gallant Show. To you texters, to you tweeters, to you facebook.com slash paulgallantsporters, to Dave Wyman, who stopped by in the sports pit. Make sure you're listening to Wyman and Bob at 2 o'clock this afternoon. And, of course, the one and only Maura Dooley behind the glass, I am merely Paul Gallant. So long. Farewell. You'll hear Danny and I tomorrow. Excuse me. Not tomorrow. No, I'm not working. Not Saturday. You will hear John Clayton tomorrow morning. You'll hear Danny and I Monday at 7. Jake and Stacey are next. Have a great weekend.